Welcome in to an, another edition of the All Things Bama podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Martin. Here joining me is Joey Blackwell and Tony Sukalis, both staff writers of BamaCentral.com, the Sports Illustrated home for all Alabama Crimson Tide news. Guys, glad you're back on here. I know it's been a really, really busy week, baseball, and then obviously football, right? Alabama's Pro Day was earlier this week, and you both were there. And we're, I'm looking forward to hearing kind of what some of y'all's takeaways were. Yeah, I'll start. Or sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start. Um, you know, for pro day, um, I think the first thing that stands out for me is that like Slade Bolden looks a lot more in shape than you. I don't know if he bulked up or whatever. He looked a lot more athletic, and I know you know people um, joke around with the Patriots uh, getting him, but um, he looked like somebody that maybe a lot of people would like. I, I saw he made like a really good catch on a. Uh, a ball from Bryce Young and uh, he was in really good shape I don't know what his numbers were uh, but I, I was impressed by him um, obviously the biggest takeaway from all of this is is Evan Neal going through positional drills um, and he looked really good I don't know if that really matters uh, in terms of his draft stock I don't know if he can do anything to affect his draft stock because he's you know either going to go number one overall or he's you know, going to go probably the, I think the farthest I could see him really dropping would be like what five or seven. So uh, he's going to be taken care of. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, overall, I think it was a great day for everyone that went, uh, you know, some of the big notable guys, like the receivers, they didn't get to go. Um, but we did get to see Evan Neal. We got to see some Christian Harris do some stuff, Brian Robinson do some stuff. So I, I thought it was a good performance from the people that went and um you know, maybe maybe we see some Alabama players improve their draft stocks from it. Yeah, and Tony took the words right out of my mouth. The biggest thing that came off came that I noticed yesterday was Slade Bolden. I thought that he performed very well yesterday. And to echo pretty much everything Tony said, it looked like he has put on muscle mass since the national championship game. His muscles were much more defined. Ran ran the forty yard dash without a shirt on. You know, just kind of showing that off the. Of, really, really quick guy, you know, he, he looked good in the, you know, despite he's not the tallest guy in the world, but he looked really good in the, in the broad jump um, from what we could see behind all the NFL scouts there. So overall, just a, a very solid day for him. Uh, Phil Mathis also did well uh, in, in the line, in the position drills. Um, didn't see as much of him. Evan Neal, obviously one of the big news from him is that he didn't run the 40, um, but you know, he's an offensive lineman. He doesn't have to do that. You know, he, he made the point that that doesn't really play into his position and he's absolutely right. you know, Evan Neal, his draft stock really can't far any, any, he can't really go any higher or fall any lower than where he is right now. So I just overall thought it was a really good day for Alabama. Hey, we didn't even mention uh, Daniel Wright's silver hair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he also he has like, a silver yeah. hair and he had like the silver beard. He looks uh, like Quicksilver running, running down. Yeah, the right. <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder if that made him any faster. But yeah, that was a you know Daniel Wright's always had the interesting hair. He had a red hair at one point. Now it's now it's completely silver. And I think if I saw it correctly, is so he so is his little. Uh, he's got like a little beard that's uh, also <laughs> completely silver now as well. <laughs> what I what I got from just from afar, just looking at highlights on SEC Network, ESPN, whatever. Tony might be having to eat some words, Joey. You it was a couple weeks ago. It was me, Tony, and Katie talking about a lot of these guys and their draft prospects. And I, I said, you know, Slate Bolden's a day three guy. And Tony goes, oh, he's not getting drafted. Well, it looks like – It looks like, the it looks like he is. Kid, it looks like the yeah. Louisiana kid's turning some heads, man. It definitely looks like he's going to get drafted now. Um, you know what? And he, I was probably wrong to say that. I mean, look, he's, he's had some production over the last few years. And, you know, he's a guy that can do a lot of things. 
Um, I, I think he's going to also be a special teams guy. No, no matter who picks him, um, he's somebody that's probably going to start off on special teams and, and he's athletic enough to do a lot of things. You know, he can be the guy that, you know, we've seen him catch punts at Alabama. We've seen him return kicks at Alabama, but I, I think he'd probably be athletic enough to go on kick coverage and, and you know, our, our kick, you know, kickoff, you know, um return you know so like but not as a returner you know he's he's a guy that can move up and down the field and like joey said he's got a pretty good defined muscle mass now so he's a he's a really versatile athlete that you can kind of put in a lot of spots in special teams no doubt about it and uh you speaking of receivers uh tony the number one guy that alabama fans have just had their eye on since he announced his transfer jermaine burton from georgia uh, on Thursday, you wrote an incredible piece, a kind of, uh, kind of backstory uh, from him, from you know, from his talking to his sister as well. So I kind of want to hear just about that and, and kind of plug that right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people when they look at uh, Jermaine Burton, they don't know his full transfer kind of like spectrum of uh, he's really bounced around a lot. You know, he uh, he started off in Hapefield Charter and. and uh, Atlanta. Then he went to IMG, got homesick, came back, thought he was going to spend his last two years in Marietta uh, due to a, you know, transfer rule in, um, in the Georgia High School Athletic Association. You know, he was forced to kind of pick another state. And so he moved all the way out to Calabasas, California, spent his last two years there uh, where he's working with uh, Curtis Conway um, yeah, as a receiver coach. But he's a guy that I, I think he likes that transition or he likes to be a little bit uncomfortable. He likes to push himself. He likes to uh, kind of, he's always searching for the the better option, you know, or, you know, the, the way that he's going to be able to provide for his family and the way he's going to be a better receiver to kind of push forward his dream. And when you look at it, Alabama was that better option for him. He was not used well at, at Georgia. And I know Georgia wants to downplay some of, you know, you ask Georgia fans, maybe they talk a little bit about how, you know, he wasn't that big of a part of their offense, but he should have been. He was their, their leading receiver in terms of yards, but he only had 30 targets. That's as many times as as uh, um, Georgia targeted its running back, James Cook. I mean, they had the same amount of targets. That's a ridiculous number. I mean, when you look at it, uh, John Mechie in, in one fewer game had 128 targets. Uh, so four times, more than four times as many targets as Jermaine Burton. It, you If you kind of put you can kind of do the math there. You put a Jermaine Burton into Alabama's offense, give him four times as many opportunities. I mean, shoot, even if he catches half of those balls, um, he's going to be putting up some serious numbers. And I expect him to be, uh, you know, a thousand yard receiver with Bryce Young. And I, th- I think he's going to be Alabama's number one receiving target. And I think he's going to be the number one receiver. And he's a really special playmaker. He averaged 19.2, uh, yards per reception you know he's a big play threat he's not Jamison Williams in terms of that kind of straight line speed but in terms of being a big play receiver I think he's definitely fills that role for Alabama you both were in Tuscaloosa on Thursday uh hearing from Javion Cohen uh Jordan Battle what was Joey I'll start with you what was kind of your takeaways from those two guys because you know Jordan Battle coming back for a senior year right I mean he's he's projected to be another take another step in his leadership development and Javion Cohen, a guy who me and Tony have talked about on here, is, is kind of going to be a mainstay on this offensive line this season. 
Yeah, you know, Jordan Battle, you know, he talked about how, you know, he's, you know, a lot of recurring theme for Alabama players coming back this year is the theme of unfinished business. And that's no different for Jordan Battle. He talked about that today, how he was, hope, you know, hoping to compete for another natty this year. You know, he's looking forward to getting his degree in December. So, you know, just kind of the, the same old speak that you would expect to hear from him. But he did give that as the reasons he's coming back. Javion Cohen, on the other hand, uh, Tony was being very observant and noticed that Cohen had deleted pretty much everything off of all of his social media um, uh, uh, pages. So Tony had the courage to ask him what was going on there. And Cohen talked about how, you know, uh, he basically just wanted to kind of step away from social media to kind of regain his focus on, you know, the task at hand. And overall, you know, with those two answers from Battle and Cohen and what we've seen so far from the players we've talked to this spring, it seems like overall there's like a renewed sense of focus on foot, not just football this year, but on, on success and getting back to that natty. Because you know that that game against Georgia, you know, leading for the first half definitely left a bitter taste in their mouths um, and falling apart in the fourth quarter. And it seems like this team is just really, really focused on improving over the end of last season's result. You know, Tyler, I'm a little sad about the uh, to, to bring back about the uh, the JV on Cohen social media. That guy was a great follow on social know. media. You know, he, he had was. that cream really kick was. with Auburn. Uh, but it's not just that. He'd, like, chime in on other players, and he'd have, like, funny things to say. I was, I was like, bummed when I found that. You know, I, was, I started looking for the crane kick, you know, just to maybe ask him a little bit about that. And then I just realized it's all gone. Um, and I don't even know how to, like, did he have to, like, I, I'm not a social media wizard, but did, does he have to like scrub? Is there a way to just delete everything at once, or did that guy have to go through every single? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Knowing NIL, I'm sure there's and the brand builders they have at Alabama. I'm sure all he had to do was put in a word and somebody took. It seems like such a task, especially for somebody like Cohen that was like tweeting a lot. I mean, like well, it's a lot of tweeting. Well, I remember. I remember even in his recruitment, uh, he had he had done a lot of stories with us, and I remember interviewing him multiple times. Because you know it was such a big deal from him flipping over from Auburn to Alabama, and I mean he was I mean, he was dogging Auburn, right? I mean in the interviews mm -hmm. you can go look at the stories. I mean talking really bad about them, and uh, just I mean even on Twitter, right, he was getting into it sometimes with fans, and then even you know if I, I remember this, I remember when Alabama was pursuing Damani Jackson, uh, there was a a quote from Damani that was like you know it really opened my eyes, and then he quote tweeted and was like this is what I said before I flipped from Alabama or before I flipped from Auburn to Alabama. And so, yeah, I, I just – I missed those quirks too. I, you know, I, I knew there was somebody – I knew there was somebody missing from Twitter. Uh, didn't know it was going to be Javion Cohen, though. What, what a loss for, for that website. He, he's still bringing that energy, though, to the, to the offensive line. He's a fun character. You know, you watch yeah. him, you can, you can see all the, the – he's still going to do his fair share of trolling, I bet, too. You know, I, I was looking back at pictures of him, and, you know, he was doing the Gator Chomp at, in Florida. He was shushing the Auburn crowd after the uh, – after the overtime and it's not just the trolling I think he brings a really positive vibe to that offensive line which is going to be key um you, you know heading in for the rest of this offseason as Alabama kind of tries to shape up its offensive line and, and fill those holes and he's a guy that not only brings that positive energy he's also can play tackle or guard and they're going to need that versatility as well so Javon Cohen is going to be a really important part of this team um you know both both as a off-field presence and, a, and an on-field presence. Wasn't that also Javion Cohen that did the crane kick like in front of Auburn at the Birmingham Bowl practice? That's the whole reason why, yeah, I thought he did it on the field too, but I couldn't remember if he, that was also him that did it. Yeah, he would like did it in like a parking lot <laughs> overlooking the 
Yeah, they were practicing in the Hoover High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were practicing. Yeah, they were practicing Hoover High School. And he just yeah. drove up there and then overlooked and 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 captured a, an amazing video uh, that was, it was which is gone now. From it's gone. Yeah, oh, so he's got to have a screen recording. Hey, check Instagram though. Uh, if you go look at his tag, it might be on Instagram as well. Like his Instagram is also gone, Tyler. It's a it's a it's a tough day. Wow. Oh man, I just found a story from somebody about that practice crane kick. If you scroll down to the tweet, it says this tweet has been deleted. So yeah, the tweet's been deleted. No, I'm, I'm, sure, sure, I'm, sure, so, I'm sure I'm sure somebody saved it somewhere, but still. Somebody's gotta sad. do some digging and, and, and re, you know. But redo. you bring, but you do bring up a good point though, in that he's he's very vital to the offensive line success this year, right? Um, I mean, you know, you look at who you lost, right? You're about to lose Evan Neal, which you guys were there in person, saw him at the pro day. I don't know how he is in the top three pick, right? I mean, I, I think in the top five, the only team who doesn't really need a left tackle right now is the Lions. Um, they've, they've got Sewell, but I mean, I, I would be astonished if he fell out of the top three with Evan Neal. Um, but right, he's going to be a guy that, that Alabama is going to have to rely on. Um, you know, and I know, Tony, you've kind of been on the inside track with Tyler Steen and, and his whole recruitment. I don't know if you have anything else you can add from last week's podcast. But, um, but you know, J.B. Cohen's going to be a guy who's, you know, going into, uh, you know, his third year in the program, uh, a guy who really is expected to, to make leaps and bounds from where he was. Well, uh, to touch on Tyler Steen, I, I think Alabama's in great shape. And, you know, I don't even know, but by the time you're listening to this podcast, I mean, he's supposed to make his decision by the end of the week. So this podcast will come out on Friday. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe – we hear a decision from him sometime while you're listening to this podcast or soon after, you know? So, uh, and I think Alabama is in good shape for him. And so that would allow, probably allow um, Javion Cohen to stick at guard, which I think is probably preferable because he did a good job at guard and, you know, you, you want as much familiarity as possible. So if you, if you put, if you grab a Tyler Steen, he probably plays left tackle and then you've got, Cohen at, at left guard and then you know you can have a center right guard and uh, maybe maybe somebody like JC Latham at right tackle you know so um it kind of it kind of helps shape things out but yeah I mean uh Javion Cohen is going to be a, a huge part like you said Tyler and I think uh whether or not they get Tyler Steen he's going to be a, a really big part you know outside of uh what we saw Nick Saban wearing the knockoff Christopher Mobley uh, sweatshirt that a lot of people, that a lot of gump Twitters kind of ran with. What have you got, what are some, some of the main takeaways you've heard from coach Saban uh, about this team and, and how things are really starting to shape up? Uh, Cause obviously the first scrimmage is Saturday and that will be a really good tell of, of, you know, where they're at right now and their progress in the spring. And I know it's just spring. Um, what have you guys heard from him that that's really uh, maybe encouraging? One takeaway I've heard is that he's spoken nothing but high praise about the transfers. You know, talking we talked about Jermaine Burton earlier, but also Eli Ricks and particularly Jameer Gibbs. He seems to be very impressed with these guys, and they've been able to kind of be implemented into the into the team fairly quickly. So that's the first thing that jumps off the page to me. Obviously, it kind of goes hand in hand with what the players. What I was saying earlier about the players talking about how there's just a renewed sense of focus on this team this year. Um, and I, I mean, Saban's always focused, you know, I mean, that's kind of a duck point, but at the same time, I think that he's really rubbed off on this team in, in this off season compared to how, you know, last year they were struggling with leadership. They had a lot of, you know, internal issues, it seemed from the outside looking in and just this early in the season, kind of looking at how Saban's talking about this team and how the players themselves are carrying themselves. 
it looks like, you know, fingers crossed that those won't be as big of an big of issues this year. Yeah. He even said that he enjoyed coaching. This team was a, <laughs> yeah. uh, a fun team to coach. And I like, I, th I think that's not something you would have said about last year's team, you know, mm -hmm. as talented as it was that that team had a lot of headaches and who's to say that this team isn't going to cause its own set of headaches for Nick Saban. But I think at the moment he's really liking what he sees and, um, he's got a, a pretty complete group. I think some of the holes that Alabama has aren't as glaring. I mean, like, look, break down the holes on this team. Obviously, the offensive line, we touched on that. Receiver, I think you were able to fix a lot of that by bringing in Jermaine Burton, you know? And then um, other holes, like maybe you look at the defensive line. There's not like that inside pass rusher. But then again, you've got three seniors returning, you know, as starters. So you really can't be that upset about that. You that that will probably figure itself out as well. So I mean, there's just not a lot of like glaring holes. There, there shouldn't be, there should be a lot of leadership uh, to kind of help him out as well. So I think it could be a, a, as much as something can be a fun season for Nick Saban, I think this could be, or maybe a, a less stressful season, probably a better way to put it for Nick Saban. No doubt. And I kind of want to transition here to the hardwood. Uh, last time since we talked, Tony, another Alabama basketball player has entered the transfer portal and is just on hold. Uh, expected move right here. Uh, you know, this is a guy who uh, kind of was making a presence for himself on TikTok. I know a lot of Gump Twitter was talking about that as well. Um, but this was this was an expected move, uh, and it does free up a uh, scholarship for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, for I guess for the this finally opens up. A scholarship, right? And now they're at that negative one now because you have, depending on, you know, who else leaves in terms of going pro. But yeah, um, I, I, look, there's probably going to be more, you know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't be surprised that if, you know, you, you circle a, a Darius Miles next. Is he, he going to stay? Is he going to go? He's a guy that can go either way. Uh, even a Jawan Gary could go either way, depending on how, you know, what Alabama um you know, how those conversations go and, you know, how they end up both feeling. But um, this is something that we expected. We expected the big turnover uh, on the roster. And I think you're going to start seeing now that there is room for more people. I think you're going to start seeing more people come in. You know what I'm saying? I think you're, you know, Alabama is, you know, working our, you know, working out or bringing in, not working out, but bringing in a, a few transfer targets and, um I think you're going to see some of those guys maybe start to pounce on the opportunity to play for the tide. And um, Nate Oates has shown that he's can attract high profile transfers. I mean, look, he brought in Javon Quinterly, brought in Namari Burnett to McDonald's all Americans. So there's a lot of people that want to play for this guy. And um, I, I'm sure he's going to, you know, hit the transfer portal pretty hard that mixed with the recruiting class they're bringing in, this could be a really talented roster next season. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at, you know, the loss of just Son Holt. Like, there were, there, you know, Alabama, anybody that follows Alabama basketball will know that, you know, there were, there have been issues with Jason Holt on the team, but he's had a couple of scuffles with NATO. NATO has even talked about a couple of them. Just there's always been that problem. But at the same time, Jason Holt was able to develop as a lead, not as a leader, but as a player over his time, you know, at Alabama. And no doubt, you know, sometimes it's just best for players to go find somewhere that fits that fits their play style better and where they fit better. And, you know, just to better your your potential potential of going to the NBA. And I think it's exactly what Jason's doing and more power to him for doing it. Um, Alabama is also bringing in, you know, a ton of talent this year. Um, from their 2022 class so 
Uh, things are looking up for them. And, and like Tony was saying, there's still plenty of time. Alabama will probably have two or th- at least two or three um, scholarship spots, you know, heading into this season. And Nate Oates has proven over the past several years that he's one of the best coaches in the country at attacking the transfer portal. You have a lot of LSU players that are leaving. There's players from Missouri, South Carolina, a lot of talent on the board, and that's just the SEC. So looking forward to seeing, you know, what Anos uh, is able to bring in. No doubt that Jed is getting a ton of mileage this offseason. Yeah, and, like, you look at a guy like Deshaun Holt. I mean, was he really going to play next season with all, with all the talent <laughs> that they're bringing in? I mean, I'm, I'm being real. And I'm being... Com- no, not with the talent yeah. they have coming in. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, he's, they're bringing in Brandon Miller at his position. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's – yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he just he I mean he just played in the McDonald's All American game earlier this week, right? Uh, you know, Jaden Bradley did as well. So uh, you know, the writing was on the wall for Jason Holt, but two guys that Alabama, I, I'm curious to get y'all's opinion on this. So Mark Sears, right from Ohio, an Alabama kid from the Muscle Shoals area, uh, tra- he announced was transferring from Ohio. And then you've got the Princeton transfer who met with Nate Oates uh and earlier uh, last weekend in Tuscaloosa at Jalen. Uh, El Elwin, I, I can't really pronounce his name. Llewellyn, I think it is. Llewellyn, I, I struggle with I struggle with words. Um, so who is who is Alvin? I mean, I guess with you know, depending on heavens with Shackelford, um, and maybe some other guys who you mentioned, Tony. Uh, my question was going to be, who's Alvin most likely to get out of those two? I, I mean, I think when you look at it, Sears is like a Muscle Shoals kid, uh, you know, and. Really, both of them have pretty good stats. I, I would go with Sears has been the one that I've heard uh, that you know he there's I, I've heard that there's rumors that he's pretty interested and that Alabama's interested in him. So I wouldn't be surprised if that one got pulled off. Um, he'd be that veteran point guard that you need because I, I mean I'm assuming that um, you know obviously Javon Quinterly is going to leave, but not only him, it, you know JD Davis and Jaden Shackelford I expect to leave as well. So you need some kind of veteran. Um, I don't think that Jaden Bradley's ready to to play like on a consistent basis or ready to be the starting point guard. Um, so I, I think that they're going to need the veteran guy to come in. It's a matter of like, I don't know if they need two veteran guys, though. Um, we'll, we'll see. Because, I mean, like Namari Burnett can also play the point guard position if they wanted to. And like it's I mean, it might be a tough sell for, you know, if you had two veteran point guards that like one of them is probably not going to be happy, right? If you're transferring in as a veteran point guard, you're going to want to have more of an established role. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two guys comes in. I think it'd be Sears. And then maybe you take somebody like um, that could have a role, but that's not going to be necessarily a starter. Like maybe you get like a Beetle Bolden type, you know, some like a gritty guy that like knows he's not a necessarily a starter, maybe could start, but like knows he's not like a starter, but like is willing to just like, be the team guy and be the hustle guy. Um, Cause I mean, look, th- this team needed that and they didn't have that. So if you had like a Beetle Bolden type, um, that'd be great for, for this next team. Goodness, Beetle Bolden. I hadn't heard his name and, and he's just like, he feels like a distant memory. So long yeah. ago, you know what I mean? And if you think about it, right, he was one of these, I mean, no, he, his, his impact really wasn't shown in the stat sheet, but man, he brought toughness. He brought the blue colors and Mark Sears, you know, I'm looking at this guy. I'm looking at his numbers right now, guys. All right, so he shot 44.4% from the field, over 40, almost 41% from three, oh, nine, almost 20 points a game, good for top 30 in the country. You know, Alabama last year, they weren't efficient from the field, really, in any metric. Uh, th- I mean, to me, Mark Sears seems like the must-have. Now, now Jalen, the kid from Princeton, he, he does a lot of nice things as well. 
But at three, I'm I'm putting down Mark Sears is kind of like in that must get category. What do you think, Joey? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think he'd be highly beneficial to this Alabama basketball team. I don't want to kind of repeat what you just said, but you pretty much said what I would say about him. You know, I think he's a very talented guy and and, and just somebody so that he has a lot of qualifications that were missing from Alabama basketball this past season. And even more so with the departure of some potential, some potential guys that maybe people didn't see, you know, leaving. We still have a couple, there's still plenty of time left for players to test the NBA draft fighters, but absolutely. I think he'd be a big get for Alabama. Lastly, I, I want to kind of switch now to, to the diamond, Joey. You know, you've been a guy who's covered Brad Bohannon very extensively. I mean, you were known as the baseball guy, right, in terms of riders in Tuscaloosa, and we really do appreciate your coverage of that program. But over the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of it's been kind of rough, right? There's been ups, there's been downs, right? You know, you only win one out of three against Mississippi State when you should have swept them. Uh, the midweek loss against UAB, they were able to beat uh, South Alabama in the midweek. Just kind of what's your take on Brad Bohannon up to this point in the season, and it, What's what's Alabama ceiling now? I know they've been dealing with a lot of injuries, but what do you see? What's the outlook for the rest of the year? Well, the fact that you said in the intro there that Mississippi that Alabama should have swept Mississippi State, I think that shows how much this team has grown. You know, lack, I mean, and obviously Mississippi State has had a talent fall off compared to last year. You know, as as the defending national champions. But this is an Alabama team that if you take away the 13-6 loss against Florida, they've been in every single SEC game they've played. The two wins for Mississippi State were both walk-off wins. Obviously, the loss at UAB was a rough one. That was really bad. But they're expected to lose to a number nine Florida team. They're expected to lose Mississippi State, but they held in, you know, with most – or, you know, held up with most of those games. So, um I think one of the biggest problems with them right now is their bullpen. And, you know, Coach Bo talked, you know, on after the South Alabama game, you know, I asked him how Brock Guffey was doing. And instead of answering that question, he just went into a full minute and a half of injury updates. And that shows where this team is. They have had a lot of injury problems. You know, Hunter Ruth still hasn't pitched in a while. Landon Green pitched on Tuesday. It was the first time he had pitched since March 6th. Um, Brock Guffey, of course, hurt his shoulder. We haven't had, We haven't seen him back. Um, hopefully he'll be back maybe this weekend. But with that shallow bullpen depth, you know, they are, have, they are having a lot of problems. But that being said, their offense has gotten them much, much better over the past couple of weeks. They've just been falling short. And their starting pitching has been a really solid rotation for them. They're, you know, every time they put a starter out there, you can usually get four or five innings giving up two runs or less. So I know that might not sound like a lights out you know, starting pitching, but for Alabama, that's huge progress, especially when you consider that Connor Prelip, their ace, is still out for this season. Um, so there's just been all of those issues. And as far as a ceiling, I do think that this team still has it in them to make it to a regional. They're not going to host a regional this year. I think that's out of the question. But I do think that go, just basing this season off of last year, I think they could still go to a regional. Um, it just – it all, you know – goes it will all come down to they need to start winning these close games if they keep dropping these close games they're obviously not going to go anywhere but if they can pick up two out of three every weekend instead of you know of those games where they lose by one and walk off fashion I really think this team has a shot but it is going to take a bit of growth you know over the next couple of weeks and they need to do it really fast I think what's frustrating for a lot of Alabama fans is when you look at Alabama's baseball program right rich history then you look at a program like Tennessee, right, and you see where Tennessee's at and Tony Vitello. Tony Vitello and Brad Bohannon 
are they got hired at the same time at their respective schools. They're now in both their fifth seasons there. What has Tony Vitello done at Tennessee? And I, I'm, I'm, I might be comparing apples to oranges here. I, I don't know, but you know, you go look at a number one ranking. You go look at a College World Series appearance, right? Um, they've gone to the Super Region. I mean, they've won regionals. And then you know, you kind of look at what Alabama's trajectory has been. Like, it's just to me, I understand the frustration from where Alabama, a lot of Alabama fans sit. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, like what maybe might be the urgency, like, you know, in getting this thing turned around because, you know, you can only use like right injuries so long, so much as an excuse for so long. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I mean, this is Bo made a very good point at the beginning of this season. And he said that this is, this is the first time, or he feels like, he feels like this is the, the, the first team that's been truly his that he's gotten a coach. And he's right. You know, this is only Bo Hannon's what, this is his fourth year at Alabama. So this is the first year where literally everybody that he's that's on the team has been one of his recruits. So now that he has that, I mean, they have a lot of talent. You can't keep leaning on injuries. You're absolutely right. But at the same time, when you have played, you know, one of your best returners and Will Hammeter go down day one and your ace that was last year projected to be the number one pick in the MLB draft before the season started, you know, you have those injuries. I mean, you can definitely credit those, but it all comes down to winning those, you know, those close games and they need to stop dropping these midweek games because when, when, a, when the committee is looking at a tournament resume and they see it is, they understand that SEC is a tough conference to win in. But when you look at these losses to, you know, Southern Miss is, an ex is, is a, it was actually a good loss. Southern North Miss Alabama. is a talented team. But yeah, North Alabama, UAB, you know, all of these midweek losses, that's really going to come back to haunt them if they can't get the midweek games figured out. And, and who knows, maybe when Alabama was on that, that path to, to greatness in 2020 before COVID shut everything down, maybe that was that maybe that changed things right maybe if maybe if that didn't happen but you could say that you know for a lot of different schools and I know a lot of fans are frustrated but they still got plenty of time right I mean the SEC tournament hoovers not till the end of May we still got two full months to really turn this thing around for Alabama uh, but we'll see and we appreciate your coverage man absolutely thank you Tyler appreciate that Awesome. Tony, we appreciate everything you do also for Bama Central. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on here to the All Things Bama podcast. For Joey Blackwell and Tony Sukalas, I'm Tyler Martin. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching.